Audio Cam with Cam Scotland. Bridge differences with mediation. Okay, hello and welcome to Audio Cam with Cam Scotland. My name is Scott Doherty and I'm here today with Helen Hughes uh, of Macaulay, McCarthy & Co in Paisley and the present convener of Cam Scotland. Welcome to Audio Cam. Thank you for inviting me. So I thought, since this is the, the very first uh, Audio Cam interview that we're doing, um, it's probably a good idea if we talk a wee bit about what mediation is. So uh, for those that are listening that don't know very much about mediation, what is it and, uh, and how can it help you? Well, mediation is a way for people who are involved in disputes of any sort to resolve those disputes. Within CAM Scotland, we are lawyer mediators, um, which means that we are solicitors who are also trained and accredited to be mediators as well. Mediation, if you like, is a process whereby the mediator, an impartial third party, facilitates or helps two people who are in dispute how to resolve that dispute. In family law situations, mediation is a way for parents or separating couples to resolve the issues that may have arisen once they've separated. So that can include um, resolution of care arrangements for children, financial matters, maintenance, anything that really occurs when a parent or a couple, when parents or a couple separate can be resolved by mediation. Okay. There's lots of myths about mediation and, and people often think that mediation is marriage guidance or couples counselling. It's not. We're not going to try and get you back together. <laughs> no, we're not. The purpose of mediation is not to reconcile. The purpose of mediation is to manage your separation and to move it forward in a positive way. And it offers an opportunity to do that by way of discussion, essentially. Okay, and um, why would you choose mediation? Uh, I mean, there's obviously alternatives there. Uh, why would you, you go to a mediator if, instead of a lawyer, for example? Well, you can actually do both. Um, and mediation is a form of ADR, or alternative dispute resolution. Um, traditionally when people separate because mediation is used predominantly in family law situations for separating couples they will go to see their solicitor and the traditional way if you like of resolving a separation is solicitor solicitor negotiated settlements that's whereby you go to your solicitor your ex-partner goes to their solicitor you always meet with your solicitor they always meet with their solicitor and then letters go to and fro And eventually you reach a stage where you manage to reach agreement and that's all drawn up into a minute of agreement. Sometimes people can't negotiate things, they're so far apart that they're not able to reach an agreement through their solicitor and they'll have to go to court and the sheriff will need to make a decision about what's going to happen. There's also this thing called collaborative practice um, where people will go to a solicitor and they will have their own solicitors but rather than negotiation be through letters, negotiation is meeting-based. But what's different between mediation and these other types of resolving issues is that these other types are what's called adversarial in nature. It's a big word. Yes, (laughs) it is a big word. And to my my mind, adversarial just means a big fight, to be quite frank. You state your position A, they state their position B, and you try and find some middle ground. Where mediation is different is that mediation is a way for separating parents or couples to come together with the mediator and for the mediator to explore with them how they want to resolve things. So it's your process, it's not the mediator's mm-hmm. process. And you talked about positions there uh, mm-hmm. and the, the other forms of dispute resolution. Is that yes. as important in mediation? Positions aren't as important in mediation. Positions need to be discussed in mediation because at the end of the day we're human beings, we have our own needs, we have our own wants, and we need to be able to discuss those. But what mediation is about is mediation is about 
looking for the common ground, looking for where we want to be, not where we've been, and how we're going to get to that point. Because for anyone who's separating, particularly if they have children, there is a common ground. They might not feel there's a common ground, but there is a common ground. And mediation is an environment, if you like, whereby you have a safe place to discuss things. And the reason it's a safe place is because everything in mediation is confidential. Um, It can't be referred to in court proceedings and it can't be referred to in lawyers' correspondence. It's confidential to the outside world, though. It's not confidential between you and the mediator. The mediator can't keep secrets from the two of you. The only thing the mediator is allowed to keep secret, if you like, um, is an address or contact telephone number. And the only things that really aren't confidential are if information arises to suggest that a child may be in danger, then the mediator has to report that to the relevant authorities. Or if you decide to discuss financial things in mediation, that's information that the mediator can give to you both and indeed must give to you both. And that's also information that you can release to your solicitors. But within mediation, the whole purpose of mediation is to facilitate or help you sort things out mm-hmm. and you are in control of the process at all stages. Yeah, yeah. And is that something that's um, a bit more easy to do when there's less solicitors involved? I think what I would say is it's important that you feel empowered in any decisions you make. So if you have instructed a solicitor, it's important to keep instructing that solicitor and any time you're able to get advice from your solicitor. Because the other thing about mediation is mediation isn't legally binding. At the end of mediation, the mediator will draw up a written summary of what you've discussed during mediation. If you've managed to reach a resolution on certain matters or think it's possible to reach a resolution, the mediator will list everything there. If there's things that are still outstanding, the mediator will list that as well. But if you do manage to get to a stage where you feel there is a common understanding about how you can move things forward, you would then take that to your, your own solicitor. And it would be your solicitor who would then draw up the legally binding document, which is often referred to as a minute of agreement or a separation agreement, or if it's in court proceedings, a joint minute. So if you like, mediation is the vehicle that you travel in to get to the minute of agreement. And when you get to your destination of a settlement, then it's your lawyer that then draws up the legally binding document. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard that before uh, with the public transport. (laughs) Well, I think it's quite a good analogy because often I'll say to clients, I see mediation like either a train or a car travelling through different destinations. The number 10 bus. (laughs) That's it. Sometimes we'll need to stop at a particular destination because we're stuck. Let's face it, we're all human beings and we can get stuck. And that's okay to stop at a station for a wee while to see right where are we going and what are we doing here. Sure. Sometimes we'll just pass right through those stations and won't need to stop at all because you're managing to forge ahead and there will be areas that you can forge ahead on. But what I would say is important is at the end of the day... All my clients who I mediate with and I've been mediating for over 12 years now, they will say to me that not only does mediation enable them to get to the final destination and have things resolved and put behind them, but also gives them the skills, if you like, to be able to communicate more effectively with their ex-partner in the future. Because a byproduct of mediation for a lot of separating parents and couples is that they establish a more meaningful way and a more productive way and indeed a more positive way to communicate with each other. So, yeah, I mean, so a lot of people that, that haven't been through this process might think, well, you know, I know what my husband or my wife is like mm-hmm. uh, or, or my ex-partner is like and if I get into the same room, I won't get a word in edgeways. So mm-hmm. how can mediation help that situation? Well, how mediation helps there is the mediator will explain at the very beginning. Um, the way mediation works is you will usually have an individual meeting with the mediator, first of all, so the mediator can 
find out why you want to mediate, get some information on why you've reached the stage you've reached, and then you'll have joint meetings. And the mediator will point out that the ground rules of those joint meetings is that you both have your say. The mediator during the mediation process will not be writing things down in a notepad as you often see your own solicitor doing when you have meetings and that's fine, we all do that. The mediator will be listening to you both. And for the mediator to listen to you both and indeed for you both to listen to each other, only one person can speak at a time. And all mediators will make sure that when that one person has finished speaking, the other person will get the chance to have their say without being interrupted, without being talked down. So that during the mediation process you both get your say. Because only by both getting your say do you feel that you can move forward as a person. And also from the point of view of the mediator, the mediator can't give you guidance unless he or she have heard both of you. So no, that won't happen in mediation. And to be frank, if it is happening in mediation, mediation is your process, but the mediator can at any point stop the mediation as well. And if the mediator feels that one party is disrespecting the other party or is not enabling our car or train to move forward then the mediator will say, I can't continue to mediate in this situation and will point out to both of you the reasons why the mediator feels they can't mediate. So you can then both have a think about, well, are we stopping mediation or are we continuing with that? Sure. So the mediator can do that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So talking about the, the car and the train or the bus, how do you go on it? Well, how you go on it is very much depending upon whether you come to mediation directly or through your solicitors. We at CAM have a website that lists all of our mediators and you'll be able to find a mediator in your area that can assist you with mediation. So you can go straight to the mediator. The other way of doing it is through your solicitor, um, whereby your solicitor would recommend a mediator in your area and it would then be your solicitor who would write to the mediator to set up the mediation. If you're in receipt of legal aid, just now the way the legal aid regulations are, you would need to come through your solicitor um, because the legal aid regulations are such that they will meet the cost of mediation if you're eligible for legal aid and, and they provide sanction for that, but it's your solicitor who has to instruct the mediation. If you're not in receipt of legal aid, then the mediation can still come through your solicitor, but the mediator would charge you directly because you would be the mediator's client, essentially from the point of view of payment. Mediator rates differ from mediator to mediator, so it's always a good idea to check with the mediator what their rates are if you're not in receipt of legal aid. But what I would say is, on the whole, because you will be meeting usually 50% of the share of the mediation, the usual practice is that both parties pay half each, you will more often than not find that the cost of mediation is significantly less than the early rate that you will be paying your own solicitor. Some separating parents and couples will decide that one of them, for example, is going to meet the cost of mediation. And it's entirely up to you how the mediation costs are paid. But on the whole, most people will find mediation as a more cost-effective way of dealing with things. Sure. To find out how mediation can help you, follow us at CAM Scotland on Twitter, Facebook and Google+, or visit camscotland.co.uk. So if you are in a, a situation where you've uh, recently separated, what, what's, what's the, the usual way into to mediation as far as you're concerned? The usual way into mediation we find um, just now is through your solicitor, mm-hmm. but you don't need to instruct a solicitor. Mm-hmm. I have many clients who mediate who come straight to me. They haven't seen solicitors at all. Right. Because they have decided that mediation is the process that they want to go down. They don't want to involve solicitors. Now, at the end of the day, as we've said earlier, you'll get a mediation summary drawn up. 
But it's then for you to decide when that mediation summary is drawn up what you do with that mediation summary. If it solely relates to care arrangements for children, lots of parents will decide just to run with the mediation summary and use that as an aid memoir about care arrangements when one parent looks after the children and when the other parent sees them, etc. If you're dealing with financial matters, um, in most cases you're going to have to have that put into some sort of legal document. So some clients at the conclusion of mediation, with their mediation summary, will then go and instruct lawyers to drop the mediation or the minute of agreement, essentially, sure. which is reflecting the agreement reached between them. In terms of um, that, that minute of agreement, then, how different is, is, is it for parties coming to a minute of agreement than, say, getting a court order to do with particularly the financial side of things? Okay. I think every, every case is different, and every case has to be dealt with on its own circumstances. But what I would say is mediation is an alternative to court and it's an alternative to solicitor-negotiated mediation or solicitor-negotiated settlement rather. And with mediation, what you will find is that that's a way of resolving things where you have control of the process. If you go to court, then it will be the sheriff who makes the decision at the end of the day. And the sheriff is obviously restricted to the law. In terms of financial provision, he or she is restricted to the terms of the Family of Scotland Act 1985. But within mediation, you can be more creative. Within mediation, you can decide that you're just ignoring the 1985 Act if you want, and you're reaching another resolution that you think is fair. The basis of mediation is fairness. And if you want to achieve fairness for you and your ex-partner, then mediation is an opportunity to do that. It's an opportunity to explore not only what the law will provide, and indeed lawyer mediators are able to give you guidance on that. Lawyer mediators can't give you legal advice, but they can give you guidance. And within CAM, our mediators are all experienced family lawyers, so they will be able to say with a fair degree of certainty what the two or three options would be for the court. But you could decide an option that would never occur to the court. You, within mediation, can decide something different. And as I said, it's not legally binding, but once you've got the mediation summary, that could then be drawn into a legally binding minute of agreement, which is as effective as a court order. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for people that are, have been to court already, why would they decide to do something different? If, if, they, if they're going along a path towards a court order and they, they feel sure of that path, should they be con- still considering the alternative of mediation? I think they should be if they feel the path they're going along is not the best path. To come to mediation, you both need to want to come to mediation. At the end of the day, mediation is a voluntary process. It's a process that two parents or a separating couple decide to participate in. It is not a process that you can be forced into. The court might order mediation, but at the end of the day, if you come to mediation and you can't reach a resolution, then it's not possible for mediation to continue. So I would say if you're already in court, you should ask yourself, is the way this is going best for me and best for my children? If your answer to that is yes, then stay with the court. I'm not suggesting for one minute mediation is a magic wand or a panacea that's going to sort everything out. Not at all. But if you're a parent or a separating person who's going through the court and you feel this is not the way I want this to be sorted out, then I would say give mediation a try. Mm -hmm. Because you may find that mediation offers a kinder, a safer and a quicker and certainly more cost-effective way to resolve the issues that you're putting before the court. And and on that, for people that haven't been to court, do you want to explain, particularly when it comes to children, for example, Mm -hmm. um, separating couples with children, what's it like going to court? Going to court can be very stressful. 
It can be very expensive and it can also be very lengthy. Um, if you go to court, then you obviously have to be assessed for legal aid or you may not be eligible for legal aid, in which case you're going to have to assess the costs that are involved in going to court. But what we've got to remember about court in Scotland, and indeed court in most jurisdictions, is what's called an adversarial process. So that means both parties state their position. You say black, your ex-partner says white. When it relates to children's proceedings, it often means you criticising your ex-partner because that's the way within a court process to try and achieve what you want to achieve by saying your ex-partner shouldn't be getting X, Y and Z because they've done A, B and C. So court as a process can be quite brutal. Um, you will often find that with the best will in the world, the sheriff who's dealing with your case may not be the same sheriff every time you go to court. And that the hearings, by their nature, 20 minutes to an hour, is probably about the maximum that you will get within a hearing. The sheriff has a very limited period of time to, to read papers and to understand the position before making a decision that's going to have significant impact, not only on you, but in your children's lives as well. Whereas within mediation, it's you and your children's other parent or you and your ex-partner who are sitting in the room with the mediator and are able to talk about all the nuances that happen in everyday life. The sheriff is not going to be able to listen to why it upsets you that your ex-partner's late or why your child gets a sore tummy at a certain situation. The sheriff needs to know the nitty-gritty. They need to know what are the main points here. But as we all know, the things like an ex-partner being late or difficulties that arise are like a stone in your shoe. You know, it's only there every now and again, but it can be quite painful and it can be constantly annoying and it can lead to a level of stress that just becomes more and more difficult over time. So within mediation, I would say we're able to discuss all the nuances, all the wee things that added together can make for a happy life or a stressful life. Whereas within court, that's not always possible. Just wondering how easy that is, though. I mean, by its very nature, sitting across the table uh, in court, you know, that that that's that reflects the adversarial, the big fight nature of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Do you find that that it's quite difficult to go from being across the table to each other to sitting? around uh, a table or uh, and seats next to each other in a mediation room? That can be difficult. And as, a, as I often say to mediation clients, mediation's not easy. It's not the easy option. And I will often commend my mediation clients that they have chosen the hard way to sort things out. But what I would say is, even if you have been to court, and no matter how difficult it is, um, if you come to mediation, it is an environment where you can change things where we put to the side what's happened in court and we discuss what you're trying to achieve during your individual meeting with the mediator you will discuss your concerns your fears your wishes your hopes for the future and what you want to achieve at mediation and during the joint meetings the mediator with that knowledge will try and help you and your ex-partner get to where you want to be if your poles apart then mediation is not going to work we need to be realistic But if there's a possibility of you being able to reach a common ground and able to reach a situation where you can move forward, then mediation certainly offers an option to enable you to do that. And for those who, uh, again, have been in court and ordered towards mediation, you mentioned that mediation is a voluntary process. Does that in any way taint the process? Well, what I would say is um, everything we discuss in mediation is confidential. Nothing that's discussed in mediation other than the exceptions I said about addresses and a child being in danger and financial information can be referred to in the court proceedings. And if mediation doesn't work, 
then the letter the mediator does to the court is simply, it's not been possible to mediate here. Both parties can consent to the sheriff or indeed their lawyers being told everything that's happened in mediation, but both people need to consent to that. If they don't, um, then the Civil Evidence Family Mediation Scotland Act of 1999, I think it is, um, protects that information as privileged information. So I would say that the court referring someone to mediation is a difficult situation because people may come reluctantly. But often I find that even those who come reluctantly, when they actually engage in the mediation process and understand a wee bit more about what mediation is, then nine times out of ten they go forward with the mediation. But in those cases where people just don't feel mediation is right for them, and that happens if you're in a situation where your ex-partner wants contact, for example, to your children, and you don't want them to have contact, then with the best will in the world, mediation is never going to work because we can't find common ground there. But when your ex-partner wants contact and you just disagree with the level of contact he's wanting and maybe practical issues that are arising, then that's something that a mediator can assist you with. That's something that the mediator can move things forward mm. and assist you move things forward with. So if you're uh, se- recently separated um, and you're listening to this, what would be your big message to, to leave them? My big message would be is, no matter how difficult it is to communicate with your ex-partner, if you're recently separated, you want things to be resolved. You want them to be resolved in the quickest, kindest and most cost-effective way, where you're heard and you hear what your ex-partner's got to say as well, and that you do that in an environment where you have an experienced family law mediator who has a lot of knowledge and a lot of background in relation to cases similar to your own, to sit with you in a room and discuss things in a productive and meaningful way. Because that way you'll be able to move things forward and feel you've been heard, you've been listened to, and that things are moving forward in a way that you feel is fair. If you want to achieve fairness for you and your children, and even for your ex-partner as well, then I would say mediation is certainly an option that I would urge you to think seriously about. Brilliant. Thanks for talking to us today. Thank you, uh, Scott. Helen, and uh, you've been listening to AudioCam. You've been listening to AudioCam with Cam Scotland. For more interviews and links to our mediators, subscribe on iTunes and thanks for listening.